0: Hey, Richard Gottlieb! Oh my God! Yeah, I know it's what day. I think this is day six of me being uh, being in the apartment. But you know, the good thing is that podcasting is made for social distancing. Audio is is great for that. You can listen to it at your leisure, and uh, we can do it remotely.
1: Yes, and and you know, Chris, I I think there is a a, a misunderstanding at, in a lot of the public though about. The shutdown in New York. If you see uh, shots from television, uh, you'll see shots of Times Square being empty. Um, And uh, although the areas where tourists go are empty, uh, if I walk uh, around my neighborhood, and I'm sure if you do, too, people are on the street. Uh, certainly not as many, uh, but you don't get the sense of um, abandoned streets or buildings. Uh, restaurants are, are open for a, for a takeout. Grocery stores are open. Drug stores are open. So people are out there. So it's not as dire as what people see on television.
0: No, but it's still it's still not like what it is. My, my apartment overlooks Madison Square Park. I can see the former toy building from here and uh, the park is usually full of people going to work, uh, and it's been empty, you know, for days. But but the toy industry is going to try to continue like every industry. After this is over, we're going to have to pull out of it and uh, hope for the best.
1: Well, you know, having been in this industry for quite a while, and, and certainly you have to. Um, you know, we do have some perspective, and we have been through some very challenging times before. <clears throat> Nothing quite as weird as this, I don't think, but still, a disruption is a disruption, and, and we know that things will eventually get back to a new normal. Uh, there are, of course, going to be changes, I, I, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, uh, but uh, it's all going to be okay. Uh, we just have to get through this uh, this period here with some, uh, for everybody, with some good strong short-term strategies and some long-term vision.
0: Right. And historically, uh, the toy industry's been through a lot in the past. I mean, factories were shut down and and factories that were cranking out munitions during World War II suddenly were doing swing sets because of metal fabrication that was was developed. Lionel Toys created an all-cardboard train during World War II because they simply couldn't get the metal that they needed. So, uh, it's been a resourceful yeah. industry. I'm hearing that jigsaw puzzles are selling really well. Board games are selling really well as people adapt to whatever this new normal is.
1: And I would just like to remind folks that um, after World War II, when we did come back to normal, there was an explosion in the toy industry. Right. As in terms of uh, new companies opening and uh, the move towards uh, marketing on television and the use of plastics all came into being during that time things change uh and life goes on chris let's uh, take a few minutes and talk about the uh, store closings that are taking place uh during the um the coronavirus uh epidemic that's going on uh we've seen a number of i think chris i could be wrong but mostly specialty and high value operators are the ones that are closing uh Walmart, Target, Family Dollar, Dollar General continuing to to run operations. Right. Um, what is right. your perspective on that?
0: Well, I think that a lot of the the WalMarts and Targets are still grocers, and that's there's a lot of grocery store uh, activity at some of those big big stores. I know that the Entertainer in the UK has shut down for now. Uh, Best Buy is still open, but they are doing curbside delivery of things. So there's touch-free curbside delivery. Uh, none of the, the stores are doing in-home installations right now, but it's definitely really down to just essentials, which is groceries and pharmaceuticals. And if people can also get toys while they're at Walmart and Target getting their, their vegetables and and groceries, well, that may be a benefit.
1: Well, I, I tell you, Chris, my concern for bricks and mortar is that, um, this is highly disruptive, and because they're closing, and I, and I think they're certainly right to close, but the, the downside for them is they are, uh, because of their closings, that they are forcing people into new consumption patterns. So you have that person who um, loves to go to the department store, uh, has never shopped online, is not comfortable shopping online, and now they still have that shopping itch, but they can't go out. And so they're going to find that it's not so hard to shop online and right. different ways to enjoy it. So I think there's going to be a loss of customer base that's not going to come back due to this. And I think this is going to stress uh, some of our major uh, retailers. I think this is a concern for Macy's. I think it's a concern for Barnes & Noble uh, and, and uh, a number of these other chains.
0: Well, Macy's had previously announced, I think, uh, two weeks ago, that they were closing a bunch of stores. So, so yes, I mean, I think that that's that's already happening, and it's not gonna it's not gonna come back, not in the same way.
1: It doesn't mean every one of these chains is going to go out of business, but it does mean that it's going to put stress, and if you're already struggling, uh, it, it really could put some companies over the edge, uh, and and I think that's not good. I think for the consuming public. Uh, overall, because we all benefit from having choice. And if it's down to Target, Walmart, Family Dollar,
0: Dollar General, and Amazon, uh, that's not a lot of choice. Right. And I'm concerned that people will not, even when we get the all clear, as it were, I'm concerned that people are going to be reticent to go out in public for a while. I don't think, for example, the Broadway theater that's been decimated by this, I don't think that the Broadway theater is going to come back Really quickly, I think it's going to take a while for people to feel comfortable again being out among other people, and I just, I just think that's going to happen, and so that's going to impact shopping probably into the third quarter.
1: Well, let's talk about entertainment for, for a minute. Um, you, you just mentioned the Broadway theater. Uh, you know, we now have movie theater closings, and and this is another instance in which. Uh, the movie theater industry, not the movie industry, but the movie theater industry has been losing visitors to the ability to stream movies online. And the benefit that they have really had uh, has been that on streaming video, there has been a delay in in when you can see a movie. You know, it's usually like several months before and. Etc. And and now, all of a sudden, we had, I think the other day I saw um, NBC Universal, I think, announced that they were going to do, I think, a direct-to-release to to, uh, maybe Netflix. Right. uh, Some of their new movies. And so, again, you could see, because of the disruption, a major paradigm shift, a split between those who produce uh, entertainment, uh, and those who uh, really stand as the middle person in getting it to the public, you know, if, if you really think about it, the movie theaters are a little bit like distributors used to be 20, 30 years ago. They're a middle person mm-hmm. in, in uh, uh, getting entertainment to the, the masses. And before you had streaming video, they were very essential part of the of the way that uh, entertainment was consumed. And so as time has gone by, I mean movies certainly weathered the storm with television. <laughs> that was a major disruptor right. for movies. And uh, now we find with streaming videos that movies have be- continued to become relevant because if a hot new movie comes out, you really can't get it on streaming video. Uh, until uh, what several months. After. So um, that is being disrupted right now in a very long established relationship between those who produce and those theaters that show movies. And, and uh, I'm going to tell you, Chris, I, I think that um, this is going to be a real problem for the movie theater industry.
0: One of the things I'm concerned about, of course, is what it means in terms of toys and toys with release dates, because now things are streaming, so they don't have to necessarily watch them when they do it. Those opening weekends are not going to be as meaningful, and when they move the schedule, it does change the the uh, the toys. Peter Rabbit moved earlier. Toys were supposed to hit in July. Well, Peter Rabbit's out now, so what do you do with that merchandise? SpongeBob is probably going to stream. Trolls World Tour is going to go pretty much directly to streaming. I don't know if streaming impacts toy sales as much as theatrical release, and we're just gonna have to find out.
1: Well, what you're describing, as, as you're describing that, I, I'm thinking uh, almost like um, something that's been put together with screws and bolts, and the disrupting is, is shaking that all apart. Right. Are, and everything's getting loose, because you're really describing disruption not just between the movie theaters and the movie producers, but also between, with those who sell uh, products based on, on the intellectual property. And and I want to just add, Chris, you know, if you're in the movie business uh, and you can release direct to streaming and you don't have to have the movie theater middle person, uh, then that money's all coming to you, and you can afford to sell the the movie product at a cheaper price, uh, which, by the way, is, a, is about twenty dollars, I think, right now. Uh, Online for a a, a video. Uh, And uh, they say you buy it. Um, And and, uh, so that would be the cheap, it would be the equivalent, at least in New York City, of maybe two people going to the movies, or maybe one adult, one child.
0: Right. Well, a movie, a movie in New York is sixteen ninety nine. Just a regular movie, not IMAX, not three D, not anything. So when you once you start adding those IMAX and three D things, you're getting up over twenty dollars just to go to the movie theater. So the question is, will people come back to that experience that you talk about a lot? You know, the value of being in the theater together uh, versus just streaming it at home? Because does it become just a financial decision?
1: Well, you know, I I've often said that I think being in a movie theater when everybody's quiet and fully engaged in, in the movie is a communal dream. Right. You know, we're all kind of hooked in together. And, and I think the movie theaters, if, if I was in the movie theater business, when, when this thing comes back, I would really sell it as date night. Uh, and that it's, it's a social experience. It's important to go out to the theater. Um, and, and I would ramp up really, um, More of my food services and really uh, get people to come back by providing experience they cannot get at home.
0: All right. Well, I have a great idea. Bring back Dish Night so that when you go to the (laughs) movies, you could get a dish, and if you come back every week, you could get an entire service. I mean, that was that's what they did in the thirties after the, as the depression was going on, and and movies were a lifeline for a lot of people, both for a social experience and an escape from what was going on.
1: And I think you could also win a pony at one time. <laughs> I can say that in a New York City apartment, uh, having a pony. Uh, would present some, some issues. <laughs> some issues zoning. <laughs> it could be done,
0: but he is yeah, it had to be one of those mini ponies, one of those little ponies. <laughs> but but I but you all kidding aside, you raise you raise a great point, which is is the culture gonna go back to that kind of shared experience? And I I have a sense that they will if it's only two to three months that we, we can't do it, but for families, when you're looking at close to $100 to go to the movies with snacks and the movie, uh, it does become a big issue. And that's an issue that's been going on. We just have to see if that just ex- is exacerbated by the current situation. Um,
1: something else that's going on, Chris, that is related to coronavirus is um, the uh, rise in purchases, uh, understandably so, uh, from uh, e-commerce companies, of course, like Amazon, uh, and, uh, and in line with that, uh, the rise in demand for certain types of toy products, right. uh, board games and puzzles uh, in particular. And then you couple that with the fact that uh, Amazon issued, a, I, I think, a, pretty con- a rather confusing statement uh, last week. It appeared that they were not going to be shipping toys and other non-essential, quote, non-essential products. Uh, It turns out that they were not going to receive shipments of toys and other non-essentials, and that if those things run out during this period, they would, of course, wouldn't be able to restock it because they're not making shipments. That has caused, um, I I think, some uh, confusion in the toy industry. And with
0: consumers. Consum- I'm seeing on my local bulletin board, you know, I can't, can I not order toys anymore? My kids are going crazy. Can I not order toys?
1: Yeah. So th- that was, I thought Amazon uh, kind of dropped the ball a little bit in their communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were using a lot of inside jargon, uh, which which communicated differently to to outside folks. But I, I-, I think it would be interesting um, for a minute, if you're brave enough, sir. Uh-oh. <laughs> to- do a couple predictions now this may scare you but i want you to know that my experience is as bad as nobody remembers (laughs) if you're right no one remembers if you're wrong no one remembers no one remembers so don't write any of this down folks right here's just a couple predictions for you um number one and this has nothing to do with toys uh, in 2021 and 2022, I predict that we're going to see a huge decline in the number of non-coronavirus type uh, transmissions of other, like like flu, colds. Now, how we're learning to be sanitary during this period of 2020 is going to have a positive effect uh, over the next couple of years, as those that new education we have is going to be in practice through habit. And I just think there's going to be less transmission of, of illness. You,
0: you uh, may be right. I mean, my, my super, who is Eastern European, said, uh, it's 2020. We thought we'd have flying cars. Instead, we're teaching people how to wash their hands.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm to be driving around on Segways now. <laughs> Very disappointed. And then, Chris, another prediction I'm going to make for you. I, I think that in about four weeks, um, we're all going to go back to work. Uh, I think it's economically untenable.
0: Oh, yes. Uh,
1: and whether you agree with it or not, I think there's going to be an evaluation made <clears throat> of economic health versus the general public health. And <clears throat> as in China, China went back to work in the factories. Uh, and I think you're going to see a return to weeks. So I don't even though they're saying coronavirus will be with us for for months, I do not see this as the status quo for months. It, it's unsustainable.
0: I don't. What concerns me, though, is this is the time of year when people are finalizing orders for Q4. So predictions of what people are going to buy are a little bit thrown up in the air. So it may lead to smaller orders, less toys around. It's going to certainly ramp up the the pressure on marketing to uh, bring people back to be aware of toys and and games. So I think it's going to take a few months for this to level out. But I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, from what I've been reading, that by July we may be back to normal, which gives us, you know, August, September, and maybe the fourth quarter to to make up some of the difference that we've lost so far this year.
1: Well, I think you're going to see a bifurcated response. Um, you know, when when this is over, I think we're going to see a lot of pent up demand, but True. it's going to be a split in who has money and who doesn't. Uh, If you're an hourly wage worker and you haven't gotten paid in a while, um, you're not going to have the the money to spend on the demand side. However, if you're a a higher worth person, uh, you will have money. And so uh, I think that um, it it may be a year in which, believe it or not, over Christmas, higher price items are going to sell better than lower price items, uh, because those who can afford only afford lower price item, items are, are more stressed.
0: Well, I think potentially that's true. I think we've also seen a lot of demand at the lower prices with, with collectibles and LOL Surprise. And the hot toys have not necessarily been those that cost you know over $30. So I, I do think that for kids, especially young kids, who don't understand the value of money quite in the same way, being happy with a $10 toy is going to make a parent a, a success.
1: Uh, you know one one thing occurs to me, Chris, is that again, during times of disruption, there's, there's also a, a great time for opportunity. And so while I think it's extremely important to be focused on uh, really the essentials of a business right now, which is <clears throat> real challenges with cash flow, right. Uh, right. et cetera, it's also going to be very important to be thinking ahead of what is just like you were talking about a minute ago about, What's going to sell the rest of the year? What, what's, what's your vision? You know, what's, what is each company's visions of what's to come and what strategies are they going to have in place uh, to, to, to meet whatever the situation they see in their particular channel of, of trade and, and product uh, segment?
0: Well, before I answer that, let me put a little Windex on my crystal ball. But, <laughs> but uh, I think that there's going to need to be a focus on, making lines leaner and making more money from fewer toys. And a lot of the toy lines expanded to meet the expanded shelf space of a, of a Toys R Us. That's gone. I think very focused lines that, that aren't over-merchandised, that, that are more like we saw in the 60s, which was, you know, five, six, eight toys that were really focused on and that every kid wanted. Now, during that time, we also had a unified media that, that drove it into every child's home on Saturday morning for cartoons. But I do think that we don't need quite as many toys as, as we've had. And, and a strategic tight line may be a, a higher margin opportunity, you know, amortizing your costs and generating more revenue.
1: That's a, a really good point. And, and a point you made a minute ago, I think, is very germane. And that is because of disruptions in the release of new movies, uh, smart toy companies and retailers are going to be really keeping their eye very carefully focused on when are these releases taking place and how are they being released? Because it's going to be, a, I think, a real impact on when do you ship goods in? How do you merchandise them? When? Where? So I think folks are going to really need to pay a lot of attention to that.
0: And I think you need to look at the success stories in the streaming area. They're not as big as a movie product program, but something like Spirit Riding Free, which is from DreamWorks. I think it's going into its seventh season now. Uh, Just Play has done very well with it. Playmobil has done very well with it. These are very niche products that are based on entertainment. They're not they're not for all kids, but no toy is for all kids. So I think that looking strategically is how do we make money out of these these shows that kids are watching and let them take that experience off the screen is going to be very important. It's not just the big blockbuster movie with the plush program and the game program and the souvenir program and the promotion program. People have to rethink their strategies around entertainment.
1: And and before we leave coronavirus, Chris, um, I did a little article for Global Toy News uh, this week on the toys of 1918. And I was interested in what were kids playing with uh, during the huge flu pandemic, which was worse than this, uh, that took place uh, in 1918 and and kids were, were forced to stay home. And what was interesting, I found, was that not so different than today. Um, Lego, of course, was not in existence at that time, but uh, uh, Tinker Toys sure were.
0: Corrector <laughs> sets were. Yeah, those were huge. Lincoln selling- Logs.
1: Yeah, huge selling products. Games, uh, board games, uh, some of which I was not familiar with, and some of them, like shoots and ladders and snakes and ladders type games uh, that were, uh, were, were very, very popular. The Cupid doll. Uh, Was was very popular in nineteen eighteen. You know that was kind of the the uh, the cabbage patch doll at the time, I I guess. Uh, So uh, though things change, they stay the same.
0: Right, and I think that play remains this really important function for kids and families. It's stress relief, it's creativity, it's connection. I've been talking a lot about. Well, sit down with your kids and play those video games that you don't like let the kid be the expert and teach you how to play it and then then bring out a, a deck of cards or or, some, or something you know equally arcane uh to entertain them and, and you know it's a chance for sharing you're all stuck in the house together you might as well uh make the most of it
1: absolutely well chris you know um is dominating in the as coronavirus is top of mind something I think very um, important happened this week and something we, we should really pay a lot of attention to, and that is McDonald's announced that in the UK and Ireland, they will no longer uh, produce plastic Happy Meal toys. Okay. And uh, this was really in response uh, to Burger King having made this decision about a month ago, two months ago, and all of this transpired from two little girls – in the UK, who were upset about the amount of plastic in the oceans, and they started a petition drive that garnered, I think, a half a million signatures in two weeks. I don't think it's going to stop for McDonald's in the UK and in Ireland alone. I think that um, this is a real shot across the bow at plastics in general, as they are used in toys, uh, in that. The toy industry is is going to, and the plastic industry, is going to have to dramatically um, speed up the search for bioplastics. And we are going to have to take a look at perhaps other products that we don't use as much anymore. Rubber used to be used in toys a lot. Right. Wood, metal. I remember when all my toys were, felt like a lot of them were metal. What's wonderful about plastic is, just as the name applies, it's... It's plastic. It's <laughs> malleable. highly malleable. It can be shaped in any number of ways. We have taken for granted that, at least in the United States, it's plastic is the way to go. Right. And I think that that this could be highly disruptive if, if we don't figure out another way to go. Because I think in five years, you're gonna. Um, here's a prediction: you will be seeing bans on petroleum-based plastics.
0: I'm not sure we're going to see that but i do think that sustainability has been a huge issue and will continue to be you have uh, mattel which has done a sugar cane based plastic uh, for its mega brand i think with mcdonald's the the issue is that a lot of this plastic these are throwaway toys these are these are not toys that kids keep that's why they're valuable to collectors so they're throwaway toys. I my joke has been, of course, uh, the this the truly sustainable toy is the toy a child plays with over a long period of time, and but but I do think for these disposable toys, like with disposable straws, it's a smart move. That said, McDonald's has been consistently one of the largest toy manufacturers in the world. I mean, they I think they uh, the last statistic I knew is they produce more than a billion individual toys every year that's a lot of plastic that, that's right
1: well uh you know chris you just said something very important that uh, probably the best response the toy industry can have in the short term and the long term is to move away from this notion of toys as being an impulse purchase and towards them being an investment and a planned purchase a purchase that should not just last for the, uh, a couple of years but should be able something that uh, will pass down from child to child and, and hopefully generation to generation. And if that happens, then that plastic really does not enter into uh, the oceans. It, it, it stays as an active plaything. And I think that, that in, in, in France and in Germany there is a tendency to pay more for toys. I think we need to move towards seeing toys not as landfill toys, but as legacy toys, Right. things we pass down. If we can get the American consumer in in and in, in the, in the toy world to see toys that way, I think it'll go a long way to solving a lot of issues.
0: I agree. I've been talking about the, the concept of a legacy toy. I, again, I mentioned Playmobil, but these are ones that— People don't throw out. I talk to people and they say, "Oh, I still have this. I my I gave it to my kids." Lego is is one of those toys. Board games actually are things that stay in the in the family game room for a generation. So I think that there's a lot of stuff out there, and it's it's usually the longer-term, richer play value toys that endure. But that's antithetical to the highly promotional, uh, grab it and go type of fast twitch approach. So it's going to be not just a toy industry challenge, but a cultural challenge as well, to change how the culture uh, relates to toys and purchases. And not just in the toy industry, but I think across the board, what do we really need? And I think we're going to change some of our purchasing decisions as a culture. Here's my prediction. We're going to see people investing in products in the ways they did after the Great Depression, which was value, careful, Uh, not buying too much, being more husbanding of materials. One of my favorite stories is my friend Ashley. When After her mother died, she was cleaning out her attic, and her mother was a Depression-era child, and she had a box marked, String Too Short to Tie. (laughs) And that's what it was. It was all pieces of string that were like two inches or less because she never knew if she might need it. And I think we're going to go from the disposable culture maybe to more of that. So speaking of legacy toys like Lego, there is some news out of China about Lego, which is hugely popular over there.
1: You were with me uh, in China. Uh, and we were at a round table. And I think that you and I were the only two people at the table that were not Asian, uh, as I recall. Uh, and um, the, the issue, the question of Lego came up and Lego knockoffs in China. And uh, <clears throat> when I, I think I brought the topic up to, you know, to, Do people buy alternative versions of Lego? And they were aghast in that. They they said the average Chinese consumer would be ashamed. That was their word. Would be ashamed to buy a, a, a product that was not the original Lego. And so in light of that, I found it very interesting. Last week that Lego announced that they were opening 150 new stores in Lego. And that's on top, I think, of 150 stores they opened last year. Uh, And so uh, they are really betting strongly on the Chinese consumer market. I think it's really going to be important that people take a long view of what's going on right now. And as I said, you know, have tactics and strategies right now for the short term, but do have a vision of the future. And this vision of the future is, I believe, going to continue to be a global
0: economy oh completely we are we are an interdependent global economy and that's been some of the biggest errors i believe that the current administration has made in not acknowledging that and just to go back on on lego i think it's an important brand in the chinese culture where they're all about learning and stem and you know there really is the understanding i believe that that this is ta- this tactile play really does contribute to or uh, reinforce other types of learning and experimentation, and parents love it. So it's got a high quality brand value, and the Chinese are very brand conscious. and And I don't think that's going to go away. I think Legos bet on it, and I think they it's a sound bet. Chris,
1: I've enjoyed this today. It's a, it's, I think a really good conversation on some very uh, important matters that are affecting us today, and. Uh, Uh, I just want everybody out there to remember that, um, if if you look straight ahead too much, you're going to miss what's going on on the sides. So (laughs) sit back and look around and pay attention that it's a big world. There's more going on than coronavirus. And, um, 2021 is going to be a great year.
0: And we'll still be here because we have the advantage of being able to be remote and socially distanced. Uh, At the same time, we're talking to a lot of people and we hope to bring you a lot more insights in the coming weeks. This is the Playground Podcast. I'm Chris Byrne. I'm Richard Gottlieb. And it's a pleasure to be talking to you and thanks for listening.